Good Risings. I'm Liz Earnshaw, and this is Hash It Out. Happy New Year. As we enter a new year, it is super common for people to take time to reflect and to also feel energized to create new goals or to work on change. This often leads people to create New Year's resolutions. And what most of us know about resolutions is that they rarely stick, even if they're connected to something that we really want or that's really important to us. Why is this? Resolutions tend to be focused on an overall outcome. I want to have more money, so I resolve to save. I want to be healthier, so I resolve to exercise. I want to have a relationship, so I resolve to date more. And yet there's often little focus on the small steps that it'll take to get there. You might want to exercise more, but once the work week starts, you find yourself not doing it. Then when you notice nothing changing, you give up because you're not experiencing any wins. It's defeating. It can be much more powerful to look at the overall outcome and to think about how you want to break it up into small steps. If having stronger relationships is the ultimate goal, that is your final step. So actually imagine yourself drawing a staircase. That goes on the very top, but that is not what's going to happen right away. What are all of the things that need to happen first? Those are your goals first. What is the tiniest thing you can do to work towards it? When you break things up into smaller chunks, then you're going to feel success more quickly and you'll be able to maintain a sense of motivation. Another hack is to not focus so much on the goal then on the intention. Instead of saying, I want a long-term partner by the end of the year, think about how you'd like to behave instead. I want to intentionally nurture my relationships this year. And whatever I'm doing, I'm going to focus on that. Instead of saying, I want to save $20,000 this year, say, I intend to be more fiscally responsible. This will allow you to change the way you engage with life in a way that actually helps you to meet those goals. Although, of course, it might not guarantee that you meet that goal, what it will do is it will help you to slowly shift the way in which you engage with life. And that's really what you want, right? You wanna change some of the ways that you are behaving. When you have an intention, you can interact with life through that intention. If your friends want you to go to the expensive restaurant, you might say, I intend to be fiscally responsible. How can I do that? Instead of saying, well, what's $200 when I'm trying to save 20,000? Last, you're going to need to think of the discomfort and sacrifices that come along with change. You're not going to improve your relationships by staying the same and hoping that they get better. You're not going to save more money by staying the same. It just isn't going to happen. But the change that will help it to happen is usually uncomfortable, which is why you haven't done it before. It sucks to say no to an expensive dinner when all of your friends are saying yes. It's hard to suddenly start speaking up and putting yourself out there when in the past you've been passive in your dating life. Having a realistic conversation with yourself about the discomfort, about the things you don't like, about the things that you avoid is going to help you to be prepared. And that way, when it actually comes up for you, instead of being thrown off or instead of unconsciously avoiding it, staying away from that discomfort, you're going to say, oh, I knew that this was coming and I'm going to push through it anyway. 
This week, I'm going to be talking about the psychology of change, and I'm going to be giving you tips on how to create it if you want to. Okay, so I told you this week we are going to be talking about the psychology of change. Every new year, around 58% of people make some kind of New Year's resolution, and I actually think it's a little higher than that, but there's a huge group of people that probably don't admit it. However, research has shown that only about 9% of people actually stick with their resolution and feel successful with achieving it. However, when I am working with people in the therapy room, what most people want is change in their life. So whether they're making a new year resolution or a mid-year resolution or whatever it is, people are continually thinking about the ways in which they want their life to be different. And yet we really struggle with making it different. People really struggle to create change. They have ideas for how they want their life to look and to feel, how they want their relationships to look and to feel. And that idea for some reason is really far away. And while you're on that journey of trying to get there, most people get off course and they don't get there. And then over time, that of course becomes really, really frustrating. And people start to think, maybe I can't change. So why is there such a big discrepancy around how many people come into therapy, how many people talk with their friends or their family about change, but they don't get there? I want to talk to you today about the five stages of change that we all go through when we're trying to make change. And the reason I want to talk to you about this is because when you understand what these stages are, number one, you can recognize that you're moving through them. And so you can feel really proud of yourself when you move to the next stage. But the other reason is because I think you can give yourself a little grace. And you can say to yourself, okay, you know what? I really wanted X, Y, and Z, but I didn't get there. And I I know why. It's because I skipped a step. I actually didn't go through this cycle of change. And so while I wanted it, I wasn't behaviorally getting there because psychologically I hadn't moved through the steps that I needed. When people are able to work through these stages of change, they are more likely to see progress. And there's going to be a lower likelihood that there's like a feeling of resistance to it or that you have relapse. All right, so the five stages of change are pre-contemplation, contemplation, preparation, action, and maintenance. Pre-contemplation is when you aren't really gonna take any action. So nothing is going to really change. You might start thinking about what you want to see be different. You might kind of recognize that something has to happen, but you don't have a ton of insight yet into maybe why you need that change or into how that change might impact your life. Pre-contemplation, if we're thinking about therapy, is before people come into therapy. Now, contemplation stage is when people start really thinking about what they want to be different. And in this, they start to develop some more insight around why they need that change. And they start to recognize that there are some pros and cons of making it. I talked about how important it is that you think about the sacrifices or what's going to be uncomfortable. And in this contemplation stage, people start to think about that, right? They'll they'll, they'll come into therapy and they'll say, 
you know, I really want a relationship, but I also recognize that to have one, I'm probably going to have to work less. Or I think my partner and I are ready for kids, but it's going to be really expensive. Do I really think that we're financially ready? And so there's a conversation around the types of things that might have to happen in order for things to change. Now, Sometimes people can get stuck here for a long time. You know, I'll be meeting with someone in therapy for months and months and months where they're saying, I want a new job. I want to quit my job. They never quit it. Six months goes by, eight months goes by, whatever it is. And so sometimes people can get into this kind of chronic contemplation where they have insight around the pros and the cons, but the discomfort of the the need to change really holds them into just contemplating it, developing insight, but not actually taking action. Now, the next stage is preparation. This is the stage in which people are ready. They are going to take the action. They have thought about the pros and cons. They recognize what's going to be uncomfortable about it. They recognize what they might have to give up, but they're ready to do something different. And so in this stage, this is where I see people in therapy talking about their plan. An example of what that might look like in that um, example that I gave just a moment ago around having kids is they might say, well, you know what? We are probably going to have to cut back a lot in order to make ourselves financially ready. So what we've started to do is we've canceled our subscriptions to certain things. We've started saving money. We started an account, an HSA account, whatever it is. Let's say that this is preparation to leave a job. People might say, I've started to put resumes out there. I've started meeting with a business coach, whatever it is. The next stage is action. So this is the stage in which people have done all of that preparation and they are going to really move towards that change. And this is where maybe they have started to let their boss know that they're leaving. Maybe they've started doing a really great job with saving money so that they could be ready to have a child. And the final stage is maintenance. Now, this is the stage where you've made that change, but you're having to maintain it. And this is where sometimes people get stuck. And a question that I often ask my clients when they come in to see me in therapy is, great, you're where you want to be right now, and you're doing a great job and everything feels good. But let's talk about the things that might trip you up. Two months goes by, three months goes by, what's gonna make you lose this momentum? And so we talk about the reality that certain things could make you lose the momentum, that you'll get tired, you'll get busy, other people will come in the way of it, whatever it is. And then you plan for how you're gonna deal with that or you discuss how you're gonna recognize it so that you can move back on track. When you are able to recognize these different stages, you are going to be able to notice where you are in that moment in terms of the change. And so right now, if you're thinking about something that you wanna see be different for this year, there's an intention that you're making, I want you to try to identify which stage you're in. Are you in the pre-contemplation stage where you're noticing something doesn't feel quite right, but you haven't really developed the insight? If you're there, I wanna encourage you to sit and think, about the pros and the cons of change. That will move you into that contemplation stage. If you're in the contemplation stage where you've thought and thought and thought and thought about the pros and the cons and what's gonna be hard and what's gonna be easy and all of that, and you've made no movement, I wanna encourage you to make 
that ladder that I talked about yesterday where you're thinking about the very smallest thing you can do and I want you to take action. If you've noticed that you've taken action and things are starting to change, I want you to think about what might take you off course. When you identify which stage you're in, you can push yourself to the next level. I have been talking about New Year's resolutions. I want to talk about something that interrupts change in a big way, but I think we don't talk about it enough. And it's our relationships. Our relationships can make it really hard to create and maintain change. Even though the people who love us, our family members, our friends, our partners would likely say that they want the best for us, that they want us to feel good in our lives, they often end up making it really hard for us to make the change we need to make in order to see that happen. And that is common across all sorts of relationships. So I'm not just talking about dysfunctional family relationships or friendships or any of that. Even our healthiest relationships can make it really hard for us to create the change we want to create in our lives. This is because of something called homeostasis. Yes, it's a big word, but it's one of my favorite concepts when it comes to systemic family therapy. Homeostasis is another word for balance. So it means that the family system seeks to maintain its organization and functioning. And because of this, it resists change. Now, this definition is based on family therapy, but homeostasis doesn't just happen in our family systems. It also happens in our friendship systems, our workplaces, our romantic partnerships, Anywhere we are with other people, the people in the system are going to resist change. If you've ever been a part of a workplace, if you've ever been in a leadership role where you've created change that you know over time is going to be really, really good for the group, it could be something that feels completely positive. You'll notice that people really push back. People resist change. If you're trying to make change in your life, the other people in your life are going to push back. For example, let's say you've decided you don't want to drink anymore and you go and you hang out with your friends and they say, hey, do you want me to order you a drink? And you say, no, I don't want to drink. I'm fine. I, I'm okay with my Sprite. A really common example of this is your friend saying, oh, come on, just have fun with us. Now, if you sat down with your friends and these were healthy relationships and you said, Hey, look, I think that drinking has caused problems in my life. It made me lose relationships. It makes me feel sick. I don't like who I am when I drink. It's really important that I don't do it anymore. Your friends would likely in that conversation say, I'm really glad that you figured this out for yourself. I want to support you. But when you try to make that change, what's going to happen is you're going to get pushback. Oh, come on, come out with us. Come have fun. Come dancing. Drink. It makes you fun, whatever it is. An example in my own life is that I have wanted to start making more time for exercise. And I know my husband loves me and he wants me to feel healthy and he wants me to have that time. I know my son loves me and it's not his job to care, you know, whether or not I have the time for it. But of course, in the scheme of things, I'm sure he'd want me to be healthy and make time. However, 
Our family system runs a certain way that when I take that time, the system has to change drastically and it can put stress on the other people in the system. My son might say, why aren't you playing with me? I want you to play with me. And so it's really, really hard for me because I'm having to fight back against my family wanting to keep it the same, where maybe he would have had that time with me to play. And I'm having to internally deal with the anxiety that comes up for me to be different. I'm having to set that boundary. And my child is having to deal with the feelings that come up for him. Now, what happens is that we tend to not want to make the people we love uncomfortable because we love them. And we also don't like to feel that anxiety around change. And so we want to go back to whatever felt balanced, whether it was actually balanced or not is the other question. And so what we'll do is we'll give in and we'll say, okay, I'll play this time and the day, you know, ends and we, we didn't exercise. Or we'll say, okay, fine, I'll go out dancing, even though I wanted to stay away from alcohol. And then what happens is we end up drinking. And so one thing I want you to think about is if you're trying to make a shift in your life that's going to direct you towards something that's overall going to feel better for you and all of the people in your life, I want you to recognize it's very normal to experience the pushback of homeostasis, the pushback of the system saying, we want things to be the same, even though consciously we might be able to say we want to support your change. Unconsciously, we're going to keep pushing you to go back into what feels the same for us and recognize that that is a normal process in change. And that over time, your new way of being will actually be the new homeostasis, but you just have to push through until it becomes the norm. I talked about one of the things that makes it incredibly difficult to create change, which is our relationships. Even though the people who love us certainly want us to have a life that feels good, they can sometimes make it really hard for us to change. And they don't even know that they're doing it sometimes. And this is because of something called homeostasis. It is a really important concept. And once you see it, you can't unsee it. And it's also going to help you to keep working through the change you need to make, even when people push back. I am going to answer a listener question about wanting to create change with a family member. And I'm going to talk about how this listener can approach it. All right, so let's dive in. Dear Liz, over the holidays, it became glaringly obvious that I need to create change with my mother. I do not want to allow my mother to treat me the way she treats me anymore. And this year, I am ready to get my mom to change. I just cannot take her overbearing behavior anymore. When I talk to her about the things that my children are doing, she often will give me unsolicited advice that's incredibly critical. When I tell her about decisions that my husband and I are making, my mother will tell me that we're not doing it right. Sometimes she'll even contact my husband and suggest that we do things a different way. And honestly, when we get together during holiday events or at other times, she ends up making the event miserable. She criticizes people, she gets angry, and she's just too sensitive. What can I do so that I no longer have to deal with her behavior anymore? Okay, good question. And 
let's talk about a few things. So first things first, your resolution can't be to get other people to change. In fact, I would encourage you to make at least one of your intentions for the year, and we talked about the importance of maybe calling it an intention, is for you to learn how to recognize how someone else is, and then to make an intention of how you want to engage with it for yourself. So if your resolution is for somebody else to change, that's not going to happen. Because remember, we talked about those cycles of change. So the only way that your mother is going to change is if your mother goes through that cycle of change on her own. She would have to contemplate She would have to take action and then she'd have to be able to maintain. And that's her own work to do. Now, it doesn't mean that you're not going to ever inspire change from her, right? But you can't make it happen. So what I would like to encourage you to do is to step away from the intention to be that your mom is going to change this year and for your intention to be about your own change. How can you change the way that you engage with your mom? How can you change the way that you manage the physical and emotional responses that your mom might create within you? One thing that you might say that you would like to do to change that relationship, for example, is to work on boundaries with your mom. Or you might say, I want to work on how I self-soothe with my mom. Or you might say, I want to work on what types of things we do with my mom. So in that, you can see that there's a lot of different things that you might choose to do differently. So the first tip, the first suggestion I have is that you just pick one thing at first that you want to change when it comes to your mom. So let's say that you decide that you're still going to spend the same amount of time with your mom and that honestly, you're not really ready to say much to her about how you're going to change your engagement with her. But you might say, I want to be able to leave our conversations or our experiences together, not feeling so activated. You know, I leave and I feel like my heart is racing and I feel exhausted and I feel tearful or whatever it is. I don't want to be so activated by it. So I'm not going to be able to change her, but what could I do? Maybe my intention is is that when I'm with my mom, I'm continually focusing on my breathing. When I'm with my mom, I am grounding in to my own opinion. When I'm with my mom, I am releasing my muscle tension. So I'm focusing on self-soothing. I'm regulating myself. Or maybe you say, The intention I have is to work on setting boundaries. I'm going to set boundaries with my mom. So if my mom and I are starting to get into an argument and it's uncomfortable, my boundary is going to be that I, you know, I don't even necessarily need to say much to her other than, hey, mom, I think it's time for me to go home. And so I'm going to limit the time I spend with her. Or maybe it's when she starts giving suggestions that feel out of line going to say, thank you so much for the suggestion. I think that we've gotten it figured out. So I want your focus to become a little smaller. 
I don't want it to be this big focus of by the end of the year, my mom's going to be different. We're going to have this amazing relationship. I want it to be about things you actually have control over. And the only thing you have true control over, and actually not even 100% control over it because so much of it's physiological, but the only thing you have some control over is you. And So you have to decide out of the things I can control within myself, what do I want to do so that my engagement with my mother feels different? And again, some examples of that might be focusing on self-soothing, focusing on setting boundaries, focusing on the amount of time that you spend with her. And as you do those things, then you will start to feel different when it comes to your mom. And... Maybe the bonus will be that it also inspires change within your mom, but you don't even have to do that in order to create something that feels better for you. We started talking about an overview of the stages of change, and then we talked about homeostasis, which is one of my favorite concepts in family therapy, which essentially means that people in relationships with each other like to keep each other the same because it is inherently more comfortable to do it even if things aren't functioning as well as they could. And so sometimes when we create New Year's resolutions, it is really hard to create change because other people unconsciously try to prevent us from doing it. Because what happens is that when we make change, the change in our functioning, the change in the way we live life creates change in the functioning of others too. It is amazing to me, no matter how long I have been a family and couples therapist for, it has remained amazing to me that human beings are so interconnected. And when we think about New Year's resolutions, when we think about change, we often have a really individual thought process around it. I am going to do this and it is going to be better for me. The thing is, is that as we've talked about this week, no matter what type of change you want to make, the change is either going to be made more difficult by the people around you or easier by the people around you. Even more though, is that the change you make is going to impact other people. And when we can recognize that the change we make impacts others, it can make it a little easier to work through the change even when it's hard. And it can do this in two ways. One way is that if we recognize that the change we're going to make is actually going to be detrimental to some people, we can make that change with sensitivity and compassion. And we can do so in a way that tries to at least prevent a lot of harm. If we are making change that's actually going to be better for the people around us, even though it might be hard for them to experience the change at all, then we can stick with that change even when it becomes really difficult. So understanding that the changes we want to make, no matter how big or small they are, impacts other people is going to help you to maintain that change over time. It's going to help you to take action on that change over time. And so as you're going through those stages of change on your own, remembering that you're a human being and a system of other human beings can be incredibly powerful. Let's talk about where this came from. Now, theories are just theories, but one theory 
on why people are interdependent on each other and why they're so influenced by each other's change is because in an evolutionary sense, we've wanted to promote cohesiveness and cooperation. Because if people have cohesiveness and cooperation, they can protect each other. They create a village in which they recognize each other's needs. And what this means is that as we've evolved to be social people, we have learned that our change is going to impact other people. And so when we make change, we want to make sure it doesn't impact them negatively. Now, on the other end of that, in an evolutionary sense, when people see someone in their village, in their group changing, it can feel like a risk. It can create feelings of anxiety because if that change is happening internally, it might make us feel like we're losing the cooperation and the stability that we had. And we might not know where that change is going. When people get anxious, even if one person in the system gets anxious, that anxiety spreads. It's infectious. And so if you've ever worked in a, in a workplace where there's been change, even if it's good change, you might have experienced this before, where the change is announced and one person brings up their anxiety around that change. And then the entire group starts to feel anxiety about the change, even if they didn't initially. People feel overwhelmed and sometimes out of control when they watch our change. One of my favorite systems theorists is Dr. Murray Bowen. Dr. Murray Bowen was a psychiatrist and he came up with a lot of the aspects of systems thinking. And what his core assumption is, is that this system evolved over millions and millions of years to govern relationship systems, that people have a thinking brain, but that they still do the same things that all other forms of life do, which is to continually feel a feedback system that impacts all aspects of the quote ecosystem. That human activity is impacted in the same way that any other system on the planet is impacted. And when you have knowledge of the fact that your change is going to impact not only your emotional system, but it's going to impact all of the systems that you're within, you can be more effective at solving your problems. I'm Liz Earnshaw, and you can find me on Instagram at Liz Listens. Thank you so much for listening to Good Risings. We love to hear from you. So make sure that you leave us a review. Until next time, love on your loved ones. And when that gets hard, tune in to me to learn how to hash it out. Good Risings is presented by Cavalry Audio. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.